She may get woolly Young girls that do get woolly Cause of all the stress Yeah When they get woolly Try a little tenderness Yeah Stop it Thank you What? It's not woolly Nobody gets woolly. Women get weary. They don't get woolly. Nobody's got stress. They're wearing a dress. God damn, I hate people to get the words wrong. The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Like, it, you, you'll send me something like, look what I did. And then I look at it and I don't know what the fuck it is. So you watched Wolf. Yeah. What'd you think? It was better than I remembered. And um, and I'd only seen it once in the theater when it came out. Right. It was better than I remembered, but I the whole time I was like, this movie is two hours. If this movie was an hour 35 and they cut out all the horror stuff throughout, right. it would be a, a great movie. Dope. Like it would be, it kind of wants to be at times like how to get ahead in advertising, like the <laughs> thing with the lump on it. You know what I yeah. mean? It like wants to be like a satire. Right. That's like, that's what's your name coming through? Elaine, Elaine May. May, right. But then there's way too much of Jim Harrison and that jerk off Wesley Strick. Right. Remember Wesley Strick? He was everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it, like, uh, you're right. The slow motion horror aspects are really bad, but but there's no reason to throw out. And unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary, but there's no reason to throw out all the good stuff that that movie does. No. Like, the dialogue right. is great. But somebody should have jumped Michelle in. Michelle Pfeiffer is great. Hey, Gabe, how do you not know this movie? Have I you s- seen Wolf? I saw it with you sometime uh, a long, t- long time me. ago. Excuse me. Okay. Before you got on the air, well, I'm calling this the air. Like. <laughs> no, I gotcha. Before you got on the yeah. air, we had a little conversation. Of, I don't know how we got into this, but I mentioned, oh, we were talking about that they're doing a Kingpin sequel. And he was saying, oh, yeah, oh, Kingpin. No. I don't know if Bert, I don't know if, if Bill Murray's going to be in it. I saw him at a Cubs game. He looks old. And I said, never mind, Bill Murray. They're doing a new Indiana Jones, and Harrison Ford's going to be in it. And he said, and maybe you already know this. No, don't. He's never I've, seen I've Raiders never seen any of those. Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. Oh, this is the point you're making, is that Gabe has never seen Blu-ray. It's like, Gabe, you're an idiot. Now, uh, Because like, you're like, like how, how have you never seen Wolf? Dude, the guy's never seen Raiders Listen, of the Lost Ark. How's he going to fucking see Wolf? I don't, I don't see that stuff. But anyway, yeah, I've seen... Oh, wait, hold on, hold seen. on. I, here, here's what I think Gabe is about to say. Go ahead. If I, yeah, He's going to talk <laughs> put, about Grease, too. Put words in my mouth. Is that what's about to happen, Gabe? We're, since we're talking about Michelle Pfeiffer, yes. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, Grease I knew, 2. I knew that's what was Grease 2 happen. is better than Grease 1. As far as I'm concerned, but I have seen The Howling. The Howling, that's a scary ass movie right there. The Howling is a great movie. Yeah, but I can't watch it. You want to talk about a good satire, right, Ben? Come on, talk about satire. Right, yeah, The Howling. How are you guys? 
Although I want to say, right, Ben's got <laughs> no, something fine. else to say. No, I'm totally fine. No, no, no. But no, no, I watched no, the howling. I watched the howling this last year, and I was sort of like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember. Underwhelmed. Wolf huh? was the opposite thing. Yeah, it was underwhelmed. Uh, recent few. I love the howling. I think it's great. I can't watch uh, it. I've got it's no fun. problems with it. I can't watch it. When the, when the dude bubbles up and turns into the werewolf, I can't watch it. It's just too much. Oh, it's great. That guy is great. He's in all of Joe Dante's movies. He's in, it, like in inner space. He like bubbles up in inner space too. What's, what's that guy's name, Ben? Wait, you're not talking about Dick Miller. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not talking about Dick Miller. I'm talking about the guy who, uh, you know, turns into, he's like, I want to give you a piece of my mind. Oh yeah. Who is that? You know who wrote that script, right, Ben? Wesley Strick? <laughs> Wesley Snipes. <laughs> no, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, um, John Sales. John Sales, thank you. Yes. Super, super Sales son. <laughs> All right. Gabe, yes. you, you have to watch Wolf. You're going to love Wolf. I might Wolf. have seen it back in the day. I remember watching Jack Nicholson it, it, running through the thing and turn into a wolf in the woods. I mean, you like the howling. And no, you, I, I was afraid of against your whole thing. You're like, I don't watch horror movies. Apparently, you, you kind of do. No, I'm afraid of them. I can't watch him. It is Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe at her loveliest. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no nothing. Totally nothing will beat Grease Two. Oh, stop! Everything uh, beats Wolf Grease Two. Pretty great. <laughs> Fucking She's... Scarface beats Grease Two. What are you talking about? Michelle Pfeiffer's in Scarface. Grease Two. Yeah, yeah. Like... You need to branch out, my man. <laughs> you know what, Gabe? You're 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 proud of being ignorant, and that's not cool. No, ignorance is not not going to movies. That's not ignorant. Movies are not a necessity. No, 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 no. No, you're, what you do, you do, you do this thing where you're like, I don't know this, I don't know that, I'm proud of it. No, no, and no, no. I, Most of that is joking around. I don't think around. that's cool. No. No, I know you're joking around, and I'm joking around right now. How many, literally, in the United States, people, male, men, 49 years old or, or older, somehow have not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? On Scarface? There's got to be, or Scarface. One or the other. To have not seen either one of those movies is like, I think you must belong to an elite club of, of something. Yeah, I'm rare air. Yeah. It's rare air no. over here. Gabe is proud to be part of an elite club of ignorance. No, it's not ignorance. Not seeing a movie well, what, is, is what not is equipped it? to ignorance. There's nothing educational about film. I, I guess I can't say that. Yes, there oh, is. Wait, wait a minute. minute. Now, wait a yeah, but minute. It, it, it doesn't Just make you a smarter say. person to see movies. It doesn't make you a dumber person. And you know what makes movies. you a dumber person? Somebody who like thinks they know everything and don't, don't have to like, you know, go out and branch out and get into things. You're not a smarter person because you're not an Indiana Jones fan. Okay. I just want you to know that. No, but I don't, right. I don't think I'm missing out. He doesn't out. even know if he's an Indiana really, Jones. He might be an Indiana Jones fan. He hasn't even tested the waters. That, right. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like if he had seen Indiana Jones and then had an opinion about it, that would be one thing. But Gabe is proudly I don't know it. That's bullshit. You know, that's, no, no, no. it's like I didn't you, say, put Gabe, you don't part. know if it's bullshit. I never said it was bullshit. You said it was bullshit. I didn't. No, I said that you said it was bullshit. No, you put words in my mouth there. I didn't, never said that oh, I either see, liked it or didn't like the saga. I just don't have here's an opinion. Where Gabe, I don't have an opinion. Comes, comes, this is where Gabe's I'm agnostic. Like, you know, every, everyone goes, you know what? Gabe is uh, 
a kinder, gentler person than Scott. <laughs> this is where I get to be, play the asshole. Can I? I want to probe this dynamic a little. Not this dynamic, but I want to understand the thought process, Gabe, because you have talked about you and your wife settling down for quote unquote movie night <laughs> and going through this thing where you're like, I don't know what we're going to watch. Ooh, <laughs> what can we watch? And coming up with shit like that, like <laughs> taking a bad advice from Scott and watching that horrible fucking Staten Island movie. But how is it that. Why don't the two of you have a list of the 50 fucking classics that everyone else in the world has seen and choose from that list? Because he's proudly ignorant of it. He thinks it makes him cool that he hasn't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. You see what I mean? Gabe, this is part of Gabe's thing. He's like, I'm cooler than you, Scott, because I don't like Indiana Jones. (laughs) This is what he's been doing his whole life with me. He's like, eh, I'm not into that. And he makes me feel like an asshole all the time. And then I get on him about this (laughs) stuff. And then everyone goes, stop picking on Gabe. It's like he picks on me. And he does it in this way that's like really just. No, no. You're, You're. Overinflating this the situation here. First of all, uh, <laughs> when we try to find movies, she won't look. My wife will not watch older movies. She's like, "Oh, this is an older movie. I don't watch an older movie. Anything, oh my anything God. before like 2010." She does. I have to have a talk with Heidi. There's no <laughs> fuck that. Well, but is it because Heidi has seen these movies already? Yeah, she's seen most no. of them. She's seen a lot. <laughs> Heidi's probably seen way more movies than oh, Gabe yes, has. But I don't know. It's not my favorite pastime. Is not. Seeing movies. No big deal. What is your favorite pastime? Making me angry? <clears throat> I guess it seems to be that way, but uh, that's not the case. <laughs> My favorite pastime used to be uh, bowling and poker, but with COVID going on in the past year and a half, I guess I don't have a whole lot of... Let me tell you something. Last night, I went out and I did the first like bar crawl that I've done in a long time, and I had the best time. I had a great time. Last night was one of those... I'm happy to be alive nights. You know what I mean? I'm having one of those again today. I just, I just, sorry I was late. I just got back from practice. But I'm just so happy to be alive. And I'm so happy to see you guys. Um, and I want to talk about the Beatles. All right. All right? Yeah. Let's talk. Now, here's a song that I'm obsessed with. And I know it's not the Beatles. It's uh, John Lennon. It's Mind Games. Gabe, tell me how much you love Mind Games. Anything John Lennon's done, I, I love, basically. But <clears throat> that's a great song. I, I don't have it in my head right now to recite it, but it's great. Have you ever looked at the lyrics of Mind Games? No. What about you, Ben? I mean, I love that song. Can you pull up the lyrics of Mind Games? You know there's some, uh, there's some uh, Excalibur shit going on in that song. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't know Some that. kind of druid dude lifting the veil. Oh, speaking of, there's some Lost Crusade stuff, speaking of Indiana Jones. But the lyrics are so screwy and weird and amazing. Like, no one can pull off lyrics like that other than John Lennon, right? I mean, it's, it's insane. Oh, wow. I never realized this. There's a lot of lyrics to that song. I, I've heard this song so many times, I never realized that's what he was singing. He's talking about gorillas. Yeah, we're playing those mind games together, pushing the barrier, planting seed Playing the mind gorilla, right? G U E R, right? R I L L A, chanting the mantra "Peace on Earth." Mm-hmm. We've all been playing those mind games forever. Some kind of druid dude lifting. See, I thought you were like, I thought you were saying he says something about a druid dude. No, he literally says no, the he, words. He does. <laughs> druid it's some kind of druid dude lifting the, lifting veil. the veil. It's incredible. Now, all right, the next lyric is. 
Uh, some call it magic, the search for the grail. Oh. I mean, and you, you listen to a, or you see a line like that and you're like, ooh, that stinks. And then you think about it and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Right? Okay, but put it up against that Zeppelin song that sings about Lord of the Rings. You're talking about squeeze my lemon until the juice runs down my leg. Right, right. That Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's squeeze it. my lemon, Frodo. All right. Yeah. The other thing about the Beatles is, I mean, you know, we all love classic rock, but the Beatles are beyond classic rock, right? So, like, maybe the most obvious Beatles songs, like While My Guitar Gently Weeps or uh, Let It Be, are kind of like, classic rock songs, but the rest of it kind of is beyond it, right? Those and, are your two examples of the most obvious Beatles songs? Yeah, those those are mine. What are yours? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I mean, but I would have thrown in like, I don't know, She Loves You, you know, one of the early hits or something. Well, but or see, something but those don't even like, those don't. But those are late period. Those are end of the Beatles That's songs, what I'm saying. Know? Those songs uh, are part of classic rock. Those songs fit into the classic rock thing. Yeah. But most Beatles songs kind of don't really fit in with classic rock. They're almost like, you know, they fit in with classic rock almost as much as they fit in with uh, Guided by Voices songs. You know, they're just something else. And then once the Beatles broke up, they did, I mean, the biggest favor the Beatles did for the Rolling Stones was breaking up. Because all those bands, from the Rolling Stones to the Who to Pink Floyd, they didn't know what to do until the Beatles broke up. Then they became themselves. Then they started making mm. like career defining great music, great records, mm. right? I mean, think about that. Before that, they were just waiting to see what the Beatles were going to do. Stones weren't doing shit. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you make that record, we're going to make this record. And then once the Beatles right. broke up, they're like, well, I guess we have to do shit on our own now. And then they're making great records. Gabe, I know you have something to say. Is it because the Beatles paved the way, though? I mean, and and said, okay, now it's your turn to these other bands? Like, this conversation is so obvious, right? And it's been said so many times, but I feel like it's so obvious. What's the first, what's the first beat, what's the first post Beatles Rolling Stones album? Hmm. um, Is it Sticky Fingers? I mean, there's uh, there's Let It Bleed and there's Beggar's Banquet. W- w- those are the records where they were. I feel like they were really starting to find their way in that second phase of their career. Um, so if the Beatles broke up in what sixty nine or seventy seventy seventy, I think. Okay, so the the first post Beatles record is Sticky Fingers, but Let It Bleed and Beggar's Banquet are are great fucking records. All, all their records are great. I'm not dissing the stones but i'm just saying that nobody was able to do their own shit until the beatles got out of the way they were just that big and ubiquitous and important and all that kind of stuff it it blows my mind sometimes well i mean people are gonna write in they're gonna say what about the who they were doing their own shit before the beatles broke but the who didn't really i mean of course there was tommy but like you know like you know, Bob O'Reilly didn't happen until after the Beatles. And, right. like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon and Metal didn't happen until after the Beatles, you know? It just seems like once the Beatles got the fuck out of the way, all these bands became the... They became... Like, the Who became the Who. The Stones became the, the Stones. Like, 
they just needed the Beatles out of the way. You know, they were just too fucking big and important. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing when you think about what they did. Did the same thing happen with Nirvana? I don't, uh, maybe. But you can't. You can't. You can't. You cannot compare anybody to the Beatles. I, I, I won't have it. I won't <laughs> fucking have it. You just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but those, those, okay. those first couple Zeppelin albums came out before the Beatles broke up, didn't they? Yeah, but they were ripping off every blues yeah, guy yeah. that they could fucking lay their hands on. Well, yes and no. <laughs> but but yeah, Zeppelin... I've heard the tapes. And, but Ze- and Black Sabbath. <laughs> Ze- oh, yeah, but they were also ripping off spirit i mean they were ripping off anybody and and the thing about the zeppelin is yes they were ripping people (laughs) off but they were doing it better than those people okay so let zeppelin be zeppelin and i'm gonna be me what else is going on i started my uh uh these titles are leaving criterion so i better watch them early this month would you watch um I watched a bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, I also watched Cruising, which I don't know if it's leaving at the end. You've of the month never or not. seen Cruising before? No, I'd seen it once. Gabe, you need to VHS. watch Cruising. <laughs> <laughs> is that Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow? What? Yeah, Cruising to me is one of these movies where like everyone, every movie has its defenders now. It's like, oh, this is a lost masterpiece. This right, is right, a misunderstood right. classic. You don't feel Cruising that way is about a piece Cru- of shit. It's a fucking piece, <laughs> it's of, a piece of shit. Of shit. <laughs> it's a terrible piece of shit. All right, let's talk about what Gabe's got in the background there. He's starting to fade. A little bit. I've got two... <laughs> two he's, he's they're kind movies. of box set 10-inch records, including You're the... You're kind the, of a box set 10-inch well, record. Well, it's the triple fast three, three 10-inch broadcaster, right? Is that what that is? Yes, yeah. it's a triple 10-inch broadcaster. I have that as well. That is a great package. Yes, it is. And there's also the, uh, it's the Thrice 10-inch, with the four-record set of the Alchemy Index. and uh, I told you you like Thrice. Oh, yeah. They have an announcement coming soon that they're going to be going back on the road. So a lot of people are going back on the road right now. Yeah, I know. I know. And, I'm, and, I'm, and you know who else is going back on the road? Local H is going back on the road. And we are, uh, we are competing for your dollars. And I know everyone's going out Thrice. Deer Tick is going out. Um, so, so yeah, come see us. Don't go see everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, we'll get the dates right on the website, too. One of these days. One of these days. It's, 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 it's not easy, Gabe. I know. Every time You've I turn, done a good job. Thank you so much. Every time I turn around, the dates are changing, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> and the ticket links are I, know, I think they're live and they're I know, working, so I know, I know, I get it, it, it but dates it's and, one of those things I think we're all set I mean, we we have a um, a Denver date coming but everything on there looks like it's kind of solid, right? Yes, there's a lot of dates When's the last time? I mean, it's been a long time Are you going to be ready? To go out on tour for three months? No <laughs> I, I don't know I mean, the last time I mean, we were talking to Troy a couple of shows ago, and when we came back from that two-month tour, I got my jaw broken. So I don't know what's going to happen when we come back from three months. Do you think it's going to be helpful for the first month of it to be that middle slot with yeah. Soul Asylum and Juliana? Absolutely, man. Totally. It's going to be. It's going to. It's going to be good to get you know our tour muscles back. Sea legs. 
but yeah, like we, we were practicing today and it was so much fun. I did not want to leave. Um, so sorry um, to have dragged you out of that. I'm coming to see you guys on Friday night. Maybe Friday night. Oh, Friday night is going to be the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on this week? I don't think people understand what, what you're talking about. Uh, well, when this uh, airs, I guess, can we say airs? When this airs, we'll be in I the middle. Did, so sure. Yeah, we'll be in the middle of our G-Man residency. And you will not be there, Gabe. No, that's, that's a long drive to come out for... Uh... Just four shows, four for shows? Just a couple <laughs> brushes playing, you know, hoping there's a tambourine in, in the in the building somewhere. Hey, everybody, it's John McCauley. Hi, you're here, Hello, John. Man. I made it. No, he's gone. He left. Now he's, he's gone. gone. One and done. I forgot something. What oh, you got? Shit, what, I need that. Too. What you drinking? Damn, uh, a little Basil Hayden's. Woo! Check out John McCauley drinking the Basil Hayden. I didn't realize you were a fancy like that it's a uh, special event i haven't had a zoom meeting with anybody in about <laughs> five days <laughs> <laughs> how are you man i miss you i'm good i miss you too scott it's nice to see you yeah thanks for doing this of course uh it's john mccauley everybody from deer tick are you in providence right now where are you where do you where do you where do you hang your hat these days well, I'm in the middle of moving. So uh, right now I'm in uh, upstate New York, a little town called Barryville. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we're leaving on Monday. Oh, yeah? For good. Yeah. To where? I mean, can you say? Uh, Do you want to yeah, say? Yeah, I'm moving back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving back to Rhode Island. That's where I'm from originally. Yeah. And uh, it's time. What, what are you selling cannolis? Is, is that what's going on? <laughs> Uh, the principles of detection. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, tell me, well, these che- fellows are from Providence. Cheers, sir. Cheers. What are you drinking, Scott? Mm. Water. <laughs> oh. No, I'm not drinking water. I meant to pour myself a, a whiskey, but then forgot. Uh, hi, John. I'm Ben. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Ben. Yes, there's, there's Ben and there's Gabe. Hey, uh, Gabe. Gabe, you never met John. Uh,. Did he come out? Did he come out to a show when we did something with Metallica? Yeah. Yes, you did meet yeah. John. John met, came out to the uh, Metallica I, shows. Yeah, then yeah, we yeah. met <laughs> we met in Austin that year when we played Austin. Was it? Maybe San Antonio. San Antonio. San, yeah. At the Alamo. San Antonio. Right by the Alamo. <laughs> That's right. John John was like, hey, uh, you know, I I have to come to these uh, Metallica shows, you know that, right? I'm like, yeah, come on out. <laughs> he was like, just so you know, I'm coming to one of these Metallica shows. Yeah, and, I and think, true to your word, you did. I think it was my birthday, so that's why I picked the San Antonio one. And I heard it was your birthday yesterday. It was. Oh, happy, oh, happy birthday, John! Oh, thank you, fellas. Uh, well, how do you guys know each other? Did you go out on tour, and Gabe just wasn't there? Um. Well, I was playing some gig in Chicago that I don't really remember. Um, that used to happen quite a bit. And uh, I guess we covered a local H song and somebody told Scott about it. <laughs> so Deer Tick was playing at Reggie's and I almost went to the show and it was talking about going and I was like, let's go fucking see Deer Tick. And I didn't go. 
And it kills me that I didn't go. But the next day, I heard that they played Bound for the Floor and gave me a shout out. And so the next day, like, you know, my phone's blowing up. It's like, hey, this band Deer Tick is talking about you and everything. And were you there? And I'm like, no. If I was there, I would have, like, gone up and, you know, showed John how to actually play it. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you, did, you did that a few years later. Yeah, right. Played it all wrong. But, but it kills me that I wasn't there because I almost was there. And, and so John had this idea to start a band with me and, and who else? It was Patty Smith. Well, where did you get that fucking dumb idea? I have Patty Smith, of... not Patty Smythe. No, not Patty <laughs> Smythe. <laughs> okay, good. Patty okay. Smith. I don't, I, there was a time where I, I was on a, a streak of uh, collaborating <laughs> with people and the more uh, out of the ordinary it seemed, <laughs> uh, the, the more I would pursue it. But, right. But, so, so when you finally talked to Patty, what did she say? Like, fuck no? I, I don't remember. It went through my manager, and I, I think he told me a lot of half-truths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was all in. Yeah, I got an email from you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I swear I was, we weren't making fun of you, Reggie's. <laughs> Why would you have been making fun of me? That's I, like that, the, You were concerned about that. You were <laughs> recalling oh. your conversation with whoever told you that we played. Then you're like, well, did they like, did they mean it? Were they making fun of me? What the <laughs> fuck? Was it, a, was it a special Chicago? We're in Chicago, so we're going to do a local H song? Or were you just doing that on tour? I, I believe that was the motivation, just that we were in Chicago. That's right. When you think of Chicago, you think of me. So you're about to go on tour with Delta Spirit. Yeah, in November. Um, that's, I can't believe we're finally going on tour again. It's coming up. It's I'm crazy, right? Yeah, we got a few gigs this summer. And uh, I'm just, I'm itching to play. I cannot fucking wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you been doing all year? Like, you guys have probably done a couple of streams, right? Yeah, that really got old quick for me. Um, I just couldn't. But by the time I really figured out all my audio equipment, uh, <laughs> the kind of uh, people's, I guess, uh, interest in live streaming had waned quite a bit. Right. You tested people's tolerance a little bit too much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the phone, the phone microphone. That's fine. I'll do everything through, you know. Right. Well, I mean, you, you're the kind of guy that uh, needs an audience. I think. Yeah. So, uh, but I guess if I've learned anything about myself this past uh, year and a half or so, I really don't. <laughs> 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 I've, uh, I have really enjoyed the time. Yeah. At home. And uh, I've been practicing a lot. You know? Yeah. I'd say I'm a much better musician now. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the band and everything, we kind of gel <laughs> when we get back together. You ready to bust some, out those Steely Dan covers? I got, I got some new moves. <laughs> <laughs> Good. When did you start Deer Tick? How old were you? Uh, so I was 18. 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of my first project after uh, I got out of high school. And I guess I became more interested in singer songwritery stuff as opposed to uh, whatever the hell I was playing in high school, which was uh, just a lot of loud, pointless music. I mean, it was fun, but, you know, we were no good. <laughs> so what was the name of your band in high school? Uh, there was Cadaver. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, what was that? <laughs> Cadaver with a K. What's uh, the name of that one heavy metal band in that Spoon song? Does anybody know? Fuck. No. Mm-mm. No. Something like that. <laughs> Take your Spoon okay, stuff somewhere me. else. Okay, I guess I will. <laughs> so Cadaver with a K, obviously. Yeah. And what did it sound like? Uh... Uh, like we weren't metal enough to be metal cool uh and we weren't fast enough to be punk mm-hmm. uh i don't know it's just kind of sludgy crappy high school music. sounds like grunge dude yeah i mean we were heavily influenced by grunge music uh, me too yeah it's good stuff but i mean we weren't the best at it uh, obviously, because then uh, the Cadaver broke up, <laughs> and then I ended up uh, doing a band called the Metro Savages, and that was, uh, I started getting a little bit more serious about songwriting for that band, and it was more kind of straight ahead rock music, kind of like how Deer Tick ended up after a few albums. So who was it that like got you into like the singer songwriter type of thing? What, what did you hear? And you're like, that's what I want to do. Um, I think I had kind of written off country music as a genre completely until I heard some Hank Williams music. That was just him alone with the guitar, you know, mm-hmm. none of the fiddle or lap steel or anything. Um, and I guess I was just really uh, just awestruck by the simplicity of it and the depth and the emotion. Yeah. Um, he's, I think his, uh, he's very economical with words, a really stellar poet. But then I realized, you know, that a lot of my favorite bands, you know, were led by great songwriters. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just singer-songwriter was not just limited to, you know, folky stuff or country or what have you. Right, right. Yeah, I feel of, like every time people talk about singer-songwriters, it has to be folk, but that's not that's not the way it is at all. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I mean, I guess a good sign, though, or a good sign of a, a singer-songwriter is when they can strip it all down to maybe just an acoustic guitar. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be presented in that way. Right. Not for so, me. So are you, are, are you always trying to tell stories with songs or are you are you're trying to do different things? I mean, I mean, what goes through your head when you sit down to write a song? I mean, is it just a phrase and then you're like, you're off to the races or, or, or what? 
Yeah, I've built a lot of songs that way. Um, some I, I, I'll have a verse written and I don't do anything with it for years. Yeah. And then I come back and revisit it. Um, I will go through notebooks and take unrelated ideas and try to figure out how to tie them together. I mean, every now and then you get lucky and just sit down and write a song, but, uh, I've, I've never, I've never had much success operating that way. Um, yeah. Except if I'm in the studio and kind of like under the gun, it's like right. need to do one more song. Okay. Give me an hour. don't you love that that thing where like where you're working on a song and you can't quite wrestle it to the ground and then years later you can do it like it's like you're not ready for the song you know what i mean it's very satisfying yeah i think one of my i think one of my personal favorite songs that i've written uh cocktail took probably about six years to write. I just had the first verse written and every time I'd sit down and try to write a second verse, just nothing happened or <laughs> right. just, uh, just wasted a lot of rubber erasers that way. Right. <laughs> right. So what was the scene, the music scene in Providence like when you were growing up? Uh, Providence was fun, man. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it still is. Um, a lot of shows in warehouses and illegal venues, you know, the, uh, cops might show up at any moment. Um, it, it was very inclusive, all ages, kind of everywhere you went. I mean, I, do you remember the old living room in Providence? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you picture like a a band of like 14 year olds playing a place like the living room. <laughs> maybe, but maybe a little bit. It's, uh, uh, we were lucky to have stuff like that. Yeah. And, well, uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, AS220 was another great all ages uh, space that was in downtown Providence or still is. Um, I played a lot of kind of weekend matinee shows there as, mm-hmm. as a teen. Um, and, you know, there are some bands, uh, I mean, kind of not, uh, bands like Lightning Bolt and Arabon Radar that, you know, really kind of put Providence on the map in a, in a weird way. Because, uh, I mean, their music isn't very, uh, I want to say it's very accessible to your average top 40 consumer, but, uh, you know, Arabon Radar, I think they were on Beavis and Butthead. So there's some, I mean, they, you know, that kind it's of made prime them. placement, yeah. That made them gods. But. Yeah. <laughs> what about Lupos? Gabe's a huge fan of Lupos. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with that anymore. Uh, I think the Lupos name might be, I think it might be finished, but um that was a that was a great place. I saw Sonic Youth open up for a lightning bolt there, which is pretty. Cool. 
Uh, not really. Sonic Youth was the headliner, but okay. Uh, they didn't want Lightning Bolt to go on before them because Lightning Bolt is so loud and their show's so chaotic. So Lightning Bolt Wait. set up in the foyer of the building and played just on the ground as soon as Sonic Youth finished their set. <laughs> Sonic Youth was afraid of Lightning Bolt? No, I think it was more, uh, I guess, I think they just really respected them and... and wanted to do something unusual that evening you know mm-hmm. sounds to me like sonic youth wanted to go to bed early is <laughs> what was going on there lightning bolts is certainly louder than <laughs> yeah. sonic youth was that night since you asked yeah the spoon song is sister jack and Britt daniel sings about being in a drop d metal band we called requiem ben we do not, not want to talk about spoon <laughs> yeah. Right. What did, did Britt Daniel do something wrong to you, Scott? No, no, actually Spoon's great. I, I love Spoon. But I, I just think that Spoon is one of those bands that like there's something very NPR about Spoon. You know, I, I think a oh, lot boy. of people that don't really like music like Spoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I get that. So when you bring up Spoon, I think that you don't like music. Well, this is this was Spoon in their pre-NPR days. There were some pre-NPR Spoon. No, they're great. Their records sound terrific. Hey, NPR's given me some love over the years. <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> now I want to talk about Deer Tick. What do you want to know? Well, you have been blessed with one of those voices, a singular voice. Like, basically, as soon as you start singing, everybody knows it's you. You're aware of this, right? You know what a gift you have, right? I I think I know what, what you mean. Um, I just spent the last week remixing an old record. and uh, really, Dear Providence? Uh, yeah, Divine Providence, yeah. Divine Providence, Dear Providence. Um, Divine Prudence is what I meant to say. <laughs> so <laughs> I did, uh, you know, I, I did spend uh, five days in a control room listening to a 10-year-younger version of myself screaming uh, for 10 hours a day. So, And what did you think? Uh, I, I was a little bit blown away by Good. some of the performances. I really, that's been a record I've, I've kind of been reluctant to revisit at all. I mean, I don't revisit my work, my album's much at all unless mm-hmm. i forget some lyrics or something but I, there was something about me that was really dreading this experience um why are you remixing it well since uh i was gonna say i must be a lifer now because i i just mixed a 10-year anniversary retrospective expanded edition <laughs> of, of uh i guess maybe our most divisive record amongst our fans <laughs> right people weren't expecting that were they i don't think so and there was a there's a lot of noise going on on that record that i think maybe took away a little bit from the songs themselves oh did um, you take some of that out now we, we mixed out useless stuff for instance wait really yeah i mean you fucked with it we fucked with it a little bit, yeah. Oh, wow. It's That's a, ballsy. It's a complete remix. Like, we rebuilt every song from top to bottom. 
and we found some uh, unused ideas uh, that we brought back, like some different instruments, and we really uh, kind of cleared things up. It was very cloudy sounding record and we were able to pry it open a bit and shine some light in there but well i mean what was so divisive about it do you have a handle on it do you know i think the people that were surprised by it had probably never been to a deer tick show <laughs> right. all that right. all that record did was really to me how i felt about it when we put it out was just we're trying to bring the deer tick live experience to you at home via studio record. Right. Um, and then people didn't like that. Well, it's fair. It's, I mean, it's totally top heavy with really loud in your face songs that were um, more spread out on earlier <laughs> right. records. Yeah. Uh, so, but really uh, I don't know. There's there's some good songs on there that I totally forgot about, and some much better than I remember performances. Uh, so I think after ten years, I can finally uh, say that I'm very proud of that record. <laughs> Dude, it's a great record. Well, it is a great record. I appreciate it. It's so I hope good. you like the new mix. I hope the new mix isn't too divisive. Well, I I don't know about the new mix. Fuck the new mix. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm <laughs> guessing about, I'm not going to like it. What about all... There's at least 20 unreleased songs. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I mean, some of them are, are totally unique songs. There's a couple alternate takes, uh, some kind of studio demos of songs. Um, some yeah. covers? No covers, no. Oh. Yeah, our uh, well, you know Adam Landry. Uh, yep, he was our producer on that uh, with Justin Collins, and I think if anybody suggested a cover, they would just refuse to roll the tape. Because <laughs> so, did you do that in in the place that we did that session? That wasn't. No, we uh, we recorded it in. Uh, studio in Pawtucket, Rhode Island called Machines with Magnets. And mm -hmm. uh, that's where we went back to do the remix. So it's really a kind of a trip being back in that space after so long. Was Adam with you? Uh, no. No, okay. We did this, uh, I guess it, you could say it's just produced by the band. Uh, and we had... You mean Scott the band the band? Oh, I wish. There are some very uh, Garth Hudson-like moments that uh, Robbie did. Yes, of course. On, on, on some of the some of the unreleased stuff, there's some there's some pretty. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes I think the organ gets in the way of other things, but he did a few really incredible uh, parts on some unreleased songs that I'm excited for people to hear. The organ is a formidable instrument. It can be, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It can be your friend and it can, <laughs> it can be your foe. Right. It's, I mean, it depends. It depends on the, on the person playing it, I guess. But. Depends on how Tom Petty you want to get, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but I think Benmont's organ 
uh, work is is for the most part pretty pretty damn tasteful. Oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Like Tom Petty would not have sounded like Tom Petty without that organ. I mean, that is the ingredient of those Tom Petty records. Yeah. Um, I hope Ben Mont knows that. I'm sure he does. Oh, he, dude, Ben Mont knows. <laughs> He's the John Lord of Tom Petty. He's a. He's a Danny very nice Federici, fella, by the way. If you've never met uh, Ben Montanch, um, and he's a hero of yours, it's it's okay to meet him because he won't let you down like like some other heroes may. You, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Steve Berlin? How did you meet Steve Berlin? Oh, uh, Steve's the shit. No. Uh, yeah. Well, well, let me go all the way back to the third year of my life. Uh, <laughs> the first concert I ever attended was Los Lobos. It was. It was. Crazy. Uh, so, um, I, don't know, I, I met him at some point like, around Divine Providence. Uh, I went to a Los Lobos show in, in Rhode Island, and he had produced some record that uh, Robbie, our old keyboard player, uh, had played on so I had some kind of connection or whatever and I ended up meeting him after the show and I mentioned something about the middle brother record uh, and I guess he had heard that record and he really loved the way it sounded and he wanted to or he was very interested in the studio which is Playground Sound which no longer exists uh, Nashville. Um, so I, I was. This is when I'm like trying to collaborate with everybody. I'm like, right. well, I'm recording this crazy record with some guys from all these different bands there. Uh, you know, next month, you wanna you wanna come by, and you know, he he did it. I really didn't know. I didn't know if he was serious about it, but. You know, the next day, because I was tripping on mushrooms too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't really gauge how, if he was just, you know, taking the piss or uh, if he was sincere. But um, he followed up and we made plans for him to come down to Nashville and he became a member of Diamond Drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about you. I'm like my one of my favorite things that you ever did is when you 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 were on uh, Conan O'Brien and he comes out and you're like, hey, let's go get a beer. <laughs> I mean that's you, dude. Yeah, I didn't realize I was screaming that right into his lapel mic. <laughs> <laughs> Conan's tall, right? He is. So that's I mean, a tall motherfucker. I must I must have even been looking up to get his lapel mic like that. You totally were. And you like reached up and it was like, you're like, lift me up, daddy. I mean, yeah. it was just it was huge. Like hugging your dad when you're a kid. Right, you know? right, 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 right. Gabe, you remember how tall Conan was, right? I was barely up to his waist, I think. I mean, I, he's he's pretty tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm short. <laughs> you didn't need to say that. Okay. The... <laughs> so, so you had... Middle Brother, Diamond Rugs, and any other side bands that I'm not thinking of right now? Well, we uh, we got together in the studio and attempted a little something. That's true. When's that going to come out? 
I don't, I gotta find the tape. I think I have the tape. <laughs> I have um, all the old studio equipment from Playground Sounds. Uh, really? Adam on it. Adam was selling everything, and Deer Tick bought it. Um, so we, we're setting that up in uh, Rhode Island later this year. Oh. And he gave me his whole library of uh, tapes, so it's got to be in there somewhere. Well, I've got it on digital. And maybe we'll play one of the tracks at the end of this episode or something, if, if you're cool with that. Well, that'd be funny. Uh, yeah, we'll find something. But I remember you inviting me yeah. to that, and I had no idea what was going on. I thought we were going to do like a, you know, like a lost weekend type of where we just do all the drugs and just scream and do mics and make a uh, Pussycats record or something like that. And then it like it turned out that you were like making demos for your next record. It's sort of by accident, yeah. Right. I think well, the only song No, there's two songs that ended up on on our next record. Um I guess I just didn't Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. There were like, <laughs> just two songs that I had. And let's try these. Well, it wasn't just me. Like, you invited everybody. Like, you know, like, Vanessa did a couple of songs. Yeah. Uh, whatever happened to that song that, like, Vanessa was working on? It was I don't like, know. Great House song? Yeah, it was called Great House. As far as I know, I don't think she's ever revisited it. But um, it's a good one. Know, now that uh, I have the revisitation uh, rights. bug in me. The revisitation rights? I will... Uh, yeah, I should I should dig through my old CDRs and shit like that and track that down. Or maybe you could Dropbox it to me. Because I haven't uh, heard that stuff that we did in so fucking long. I, I've definitely got it on, on a hard drive. Um, um, and, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, I one of the songs came out and it was on that... Uh, uh, what's his face? Oh, it was in that Heartworn Highways movie oh wasn't right. it yes but i'm thinking of the uh the, what's the guitar player from the replacements uh slim dunlap slim. yeah slim Dun a tribute yeah. to him one of the songs right that's right we uh when they were doing that series of uh seven inches and stuff it's you and and vanessa carlton and myself uh doing from the get-go and uh, John Doe does one of Slim's songs on the uh, B-side. Oh, we're the A-side? <laughs> or maybe we're the B-side. We're probably the B-side. I, I was about to say, fuck you, John Doe. I cannot endorse that statement. No, of course not. Well, listen, as long as we're talking about that, I mean... That was like what year was that? That was 2012 or something like that. 2012 sounds about right. Yeah, 2012 is 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 that what I said? 2012 and 2012 were the same thing. Okay, thank you, Gabe. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I mean, you really helped me out around then because that was during a, a period where I was kind of like. What what the fuck am I doing? And does anybody care? And is this? Am I just wasting everybody's time? You know what the fuck? And then like you showed up, 
and you were kind of like, Hey, let's do this and let's record something. Let's, you know, go on tour. And like, it meant the world to me, man. It blew um, my mind that you were receptive to any of my, any of my harebrained ideas. Because uh, I've been a, a local H fan for a very long time, and uh, seen you guys play at like at in Providence at Lupos and shit. And uh, you know, you're you played some of those shows for me growing up, where it was like, that's what I got to do. That's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Well, I mean, I needed to hear that at that time, and you did that for me, and uh, I just want you to know that. I mean, it was very, very important for me. Well, hey, I'm I'm glad I could help in uh, in any way. You've made some <laughs> fantastic music since then, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, tell us about playing with Nirvana. Like, what was that? Like, how mind blowing was that? That was crazy. Um, I really don't. <laughs> Uh, I mean, actually, just playing with with the three of them, um, as Pat Smear was there. Um, yep. I mean, Dave and, and Chris are so tight. I mean, that that's a fucking badass rhythm section. And I, I don't think the rhythm section of Nirvana gets enough credit. Uh, Chris, Chris, baseline are, baselines are unbelievable. I know, it's like, just hook after hook after hook. Yeah, it's McCartney esque. It's great. Um, so just being able to play with them as musicians was—I uh, mean, that was a real, real treat and a, a real honor. Um, but like, like <laughs> everything other than just four guys playing some music was was way too much for me you know <laughs> it's fucking weird man like nirvana is one of my favorite bands growing up and we kind of we started doing these silly nirvana uh cover nights or whatever um every now and then and then it kind of got out of hand and like we got offered more money to play a Deervana show than like Deer right. Dick ever got paid. <laughs> yeah. So that instead of taking the gig and uh, I, I did the right thing and said, no, fuck this, no more Deervana. Um, but it was too late. Dave Grohl had heard about it. Right. And, <laughs> so right. I get, I get a call from my manager. It's in 2013. And it's right around April Fool's Day, and he's like, "I, I heard Dave Grohl is looking for your your number or your email address or something." <laughs> so crazy. And I, I, you know, being aware of the calendar, I, I thought I was being set up for some April Fool's gag or something. And then I got an email from Dave. Uh, I think it was like April third, but I still I couldn't be. I couldn't be too sure. I still thought maybe <laughs> it's just a belated April Fool's prank. But um, no, I ended up going down to this rehearsal studio in New York City um, a day or two before they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they were there. And 
Jay Maskus is in there playing with them. Oh my and god! I think they were they were doing uh, uh, "Drain You." And <laughs> so I'm that's just, a good one. I'm just sitting there, you know, for like 20 minutes, watching Jay Maskus and play with the surviving members of Nirvana, and then like <laughs> right. Joan, Joan Jack comes As you in. Do. She's like she's after me, or she's before me. Uh, mm. So I'm I'm just I get a little private show, and then. They're like, all right, what do you want to start with? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think Dave just started. He did the click or something. I knew it was uh, Serve the Servants. And we just went right into it. And it was great. It was so much fun. Um, so what did you end up playing? What songs did you end up playing with them at that first show? Uh, the, the first thing which is like an, an after party at this tiny club in Brooklyn after the rock hall ceremony. Um, I do, I did, uh, all stuff off of in utero. It was serve the servants, uh, scentless apprentice and Tourette's. <laughs> you played Tourette's. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Chris talked me into it because he couldn't remember the part to, uh, to Francis Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. That's <laughs> what you wanted to do? And That's he was what like, I let's do, to do Tourette's instead. He was, he was like, no, no, was, I can't remember that one. Let's do Tourette's. <laughs> so I was like, are you sure? I don't think I can really sing that one, but you know, I, you can't say no in that position, I guess. So then you thought you were out of it and then they dragged you back in years later. Yeah, Cal Jam. Uh, Somewhere in California. Um, How did that? What was that all about? Dave wanted to do it again, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Okay, nice to hear from you again." Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that time I got to do in bloom, uh, which was Great. pretty fun. Do uh, you think that's their best song? It's it's one of my favorites. Um, Great guitar solo. It is, and. I had a really fun time figuring it out because uh, there's a lot of dissonance in it, and but it's very it's a very structured solo too. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's it sounds like it's thrown together, but it's totally there's no way he could have thrown that together. I mean, it, it's great. Yeah, but it sounds so unhinged. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was a big moment for me too, realizing that music didn't have to be so neat. Like when I put on uh, in utero for the first time that I got in the mail through, well, it was like uh, 20 CDs for a dollar kind of mm -hmm. thing. Then uh, I heard the guitar solo to serve the servants. And then the kind of entire song of Soundless Apprentice, um, I don't know, like a light bulb went off for me. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think you've you've take you've taken that and ran with it. Like there, there's like, what is it, the ragged but right type of thing? I mean, you do that so well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, although I, I I may have practiced too much this past year and a half. I might, yeah. I might be too good now. I don't know. Don't, gonna, don't give I'm yourself have, that much credit. I'm gonna have to have. have uh, I'm gonna have to have my bandmates like come up to me while I'm doing a solo and like fuck with my <laughs> tuning pegs. 
tap you, tap you on the shoulder. That's enough. You're done, son. You could just say, well, maybe you guys aren't ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. What is the best song ever written? The best song ever written. Oh, God. Um, well, one that I always come back to um, and always will, uh, Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny. Yeah? Uh, steel guitar, instrumental. Unbelievable. It's, I think that might be my favorite song ever written. And there's not even any words. So for a singer-songwriter, <laughs> might be kind of an odd choice, but... What is that? Uh, fuck. What's the song that ends The Departed? Uh, the, um, what is it? Pink Floyd? No, no, no. No. Oh, uh, no. Uh, it's it's an, a guitar instrumental. It's by uh, Roy Buchanan. Yeah. Ben, you looking it up? No. I was, I was busy on the spoon <laughs> site just now. Uh. <laughs> Is that like one of your favorite guitar instrumentals? Oh my God, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams? Sweet Dreams. Blue Shuffle. Mm -hmm. Do you know that jam, John? Yeah. I think uh, probably introduced to it through The Departed first, but. Yes. Well, me too. I'm not that hip. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the biggest. I, I am a huge Roy Buchanan fan, but I'm, other people have shown me the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. All right. So, John, you have a dog with you? I do. Is he? Uh, it's awesome. You're part of the Lifers family now. Oh, yeah. Here, come say hi. Let's see. Let's see the dog. Oh. <laughs> this blue eyed fella, his name is Sinatra. <laughs> Look at Sinatra. What a pretty boy. He's got some serious eyeliner, Sinatra. <laughs> he does. He's got a... Uh... He's got like that Amy Winehouse look going. <laughs> he does. Kind of looks like he's been crying a little. Oh. I, I can relate. All right, you can't get away with that. All right, now, a song with words. What's the best song with words? Song with words. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I really am fond of, uh, I'll never get out of this world alive by Hank Williams. Wow. Look at this guy. That's a real <laughs> good one. That's a real good one. It's pretty good. That and bound for the four. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking guy. Fucking guy. What about you, Gabe? What's your favorite song? Oh, I, I'm going to have to go. I, I don't know if it's the. Best song or favorite song, but uh, the song that I never want to stop playing is uh, Don't Let Me Down by the Beatles. Probably not high on everybody's list, but uh, a song that gets to me every time. It's a good one. I mean, does anybody have a problem with that song? No. Mm -mm. But it, I think John's frozen. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> might have lost him. Yeah, he'll be back. Don't let 
was your first show, Gabe? Uh, what the hell was my first show? It was uh, MDC in Kenosha. That was my first MDC. Yeah. Uh, punk, you know, from punk band from the eighties. Millions of millions of dead cops. Yeah, that was your first show. That was my first live performing show from a band that was touring. You know, not a local band or anything. Holy fuck! And uh, they played Kenosha at the Orpheum, I think it was. And uh, I was big into soak screening back then, and uh, they were soak screening their own shirts before the show, and they they needed help. So I, me and Chad Arrigan, a buddy of ours, helped them screen their shirts outside of the show. Unbelievable. So. You never told me that. Uh, yeah, that was around 88, 1988. So nobody's got a problem with Gabe's favorite song being uh, Don't Let Me Down. Don't Bring Me Down? Don't, don't Bring Me, me down. down. Not, not Don't Bring don't Me bring Down. Yellow. Not, not to yellow. be confused with uh, Jeff Lynn and Don't Bring Me Down, even though that's a great song too. But Don't Let Me Down yeah. is a song that I never want to stop playing when it comes on and I have to turn it up. So that might be my favorite song. Is that your favorite Beatles song? I mean, I guess uh, it would have Either that be, or Norwegian right? Wood, one of the two. Always John Lennon. Mm. I'm a Lennon guy myself. Really? Come on, guys. You can't be that reductive when it comes to the Beatles. They're all great. I know. But the greatest songs from the Beatles are the ones that John sings. I don't know about that. Think of side two of Abbey Road. Like, fucking Paul McCartney dragged that band on his goddamn back across the finish line. Like, that side two is because of McCartney. And it's time that we all admit it. I have no problem saying that Paul McCartney dragged the rest of the Beatles through side two of Abbey Road. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll play whatever you want me to play, or I won't play. Just tell me what you want me to play. <laughs> you don't like side two of Abbey Road, John? No, that's not it. Um, no, that's not it at all. I do like the second side of Abbey Road. Um I'd say, on average, uh, I I don't know. Probably if I had to pick my 20 favorite Beatles songs, it would probably mostly be Lennon's songs. All right. Well, what do you think about Mind Games by John Lennon? (laughs) How do you feel about that song? That's not that bad. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. It's great. Are you (laughs) kidding? It's the best. Have Have you ever... Thought about the lyrics of Mind Games? Yeah, sure. Have you, though? (laughs) Well, I guess maybe I need to go back and and pay a little closer attention. Ben, can you uh, pull up those lyrics for us and and read them for us? Yeah. So that our friend John McCauley can have his mind well and properly blown by what a real genius that guy really was? Did you know that... That George wanted to do I Got My Mind Set on You with the Beatles. Imagine I, if that happened. I had no idea. That would have been crazy. That would have been a great Let It Be song. But it's a cover. Yeah. Did it you is? That, Scott? It's a cover. It yeah. is. And the original version has a very uh, funny bridge section in it that uh, is not in George's version. No fucking way. I had I no guarantee idea that was a cover. If, if George kept the bridge in his version, it would not have been a hit. I, I, 
I remember there was a guy in high school and he was walking down the hallway and he was singing that song and he was like, it's going to take money, a whole lot of fucking money. It's going to take plenty of money. You know, just, I can never hear that song without thinking of that guy singing that song. Was that Kevin Cheney? You know that music Who was video? That? Who was it? Was that Kevin Cheney? <laughs> it was not Kevin Cheney. No, okay. it wasn't Kevin Cheney. Good guess, though. A really good guess. <laughs> All right, John, here's the first verse of Mind Games. Okay. We're playing those mind games together, pushing the barrier, planting seed, playing the mind gorilla, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. Yeah. Chanting the mind. Did you know that, John? Peace on Earth. Did you know, John, that it's a mind gorilla? Were you aware of that? I think that that makes sense. But you didn't know that before Ben just told you. I think that lyric may have just floated right by me. That's yeah. right. Kind of like the drop D thing that I read from the Spoon song, which I never knew was part of it. Stop trying to make Spoon happen. It's not going to happen. All right, now now read him the next two lines because, yeah. John, these, these are the lines that you're going to want to take with you. We've been playing those mind games forever. Some kind of druid dude lifting the veil. Holy shit. Did gorilla. you just hear that? Now, now, now the fourth line. Classic Lennon. Some call it magic, the search for the grail. Some kind of druid dude lifting the veil. Some call it magic, the search for the grail. Right? Not, not, like On first glance, a terrible, terrible lyric. Second glance, the best lyric of all time. Your thoughts. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like you schooled me. <laughs> Yes is the answer. 